1: Welcome to the wheelhouse.
2: You can see the confidence build day by day, and there's an electricity to his personality on the field that's really hard to look away from.
1: Starring Jerry Depoto And Jerry Depoto to the plate with the 2-2 pitch to Alex. Swing and a miss. He struck him out of the fastball. With Aaron Goldsmith. And now chapter three is, yeah, he's a real ball player. He's an impactful player. He can do a ton for your team. And this is a guy that can really help to solidify a big league lineup. And Gary Hill, Jr. He
0: seems along those lines where he wants, to be great and does everything possible to go get it
1: it's time for the wheelhouse here's aaron yep you got that right it's time for the wheelhouse once again our i believe our second wheelhouse of the regular season aaron goldsmith gary hill and jerry depoto jerry welcome it's great to see you once again um it's freezing cold Uh, the windows are open in the home radio booth so we appreciate you uh braving this podcast out for us and everyone
2: well, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to warm myself, but the opportunity itself is warming, so I'm glad to be here.
1: <laughs> you know, nobody's ever spoken that nicely about us before. No, never. It's like, and, and he's actually spent time with us. This I isn't, know. He's not just buttering us up. I'm out. keeping that audio forever. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about it the other day. I mean, when we're watching these players for the home, like we're just talking home games now. And it's the back half of the game. I mean, you're seeing their breath. I mean, it's like they're playing a Lambo Field. I mean, you you played, Jerry, in some really cold weather spots. Did you despise pitching in the cold?
2: I actually preferred pitching in the cold because I knew the hitter despised oh. hitting it.
1: Okay, cold. so he liked it less than you did was your thought.
2: That is, That was my general take was, you know, if you can run a ball in on a hitter when it's cold out or if you can get it right off the end of that bat, it's just – it, that's something they'll feel for the next couple of days, and it just makes them a little less likely to pull a trigger. You know, when you're in cold environments, it, it's it's particular uh, particularly difficult. If, if you think about Chicago in the spring, if you think, well, we we got the summary version oh. of Chicago, but <laughs> yeah. so, you know, Chicago, Cleveland in the spring, we we just got an unusual draw and an atypical climate here in seattle for for april which i think is you know compounding what has been a very chilly start to the season and a tough time to play offense really
1: all right let's to get into that a little bit last time we talked uh, by the way we're recording this before game two against milwaukee it's a tuesday the last time we talked was right on the heels Uh, of the Guardian series maybe during the Guardian series and of course that series did not go well for the Mariners to begin the season Uh, a lot has happened from that time until now what are your still early impressions but more sample size than the last time we talked
2: You know i think the sample size helps i I think the last time we spoke we had finally gotten it going maybe one offensive game against the angels and and uh it's as a general rule where we are is about where you could have hoped would be uh, based on a really rough initial five game stretch you know that that four game set with the with the guardians followed by the opener against the angels just not very good. We, we played uneven baseball. It was chilly. Yeah, we didn't do much offensively. We weren't patient. And, and and I think we got out of that hole. And, and for the next 10 days, you know, leading into the last night's ball game, we played good offense. You know, we, we made good decisions in the batter's box. We started hitting the ball out of the ballpark or for extra base hits. We really started doing some damage on the bases. Right, we found Jared Kelnick. Uh, uh, rising up and and becoming a a monster for the last, you know, week or or 10 days. And and I think that that culmination of events, if you go back and look over the last, you know, 10 days, two weeks of of baseball, we rank right up there in terms of, uh, you know, what's happening in the American League with offenses. And and that's a little bit more the way we saw
0: ourselves. You mentioned Jared Kelnick, so let's dive into it a little bit. He's been excellent in every way so far this season. What has been your view on what has taken place for Jared so far to get him off to this start?
2: You know, we saw it really start to to take shape in the off season. It really showed up in the spring training. And then it was, it was. Hey, let's cross our fingers here and hope that he's able to take what he has built as a foundation into the regular season, because it, it does start to get moving a little faster once the the bell rings. And and could not be more pleased with what we're seeing. He is he is resilient. He is confident in the batter's box. He knows what he's he's got a plan and he sticks to it. And he's not riding the weight when we've seen J.K. You know go. Upside down in the past, he rides the waves. You know, he'll take that 0 for three. He'll take the the bad call by an umpire or you know the strikeout, and just let it start to pile up on him. He's not doing that. He's he is moving on to the next at bat and he's focusing on hitting a rocket. <laughs> and more often than not, he's doing it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's remarkable the the exit velocity, the frequency with the ball on the barrel, you know the pitch selection. What he's doing defensively is another revelation. I think in both he's a plus it's a plus an accurate arm he's running the bases aggressively and well I couldn't shower enough praise on him to this point in the season he's been great
1: if you're going to rank raw power one two and three on this mm. lineup right now like, what's the order Jerry
2: I don't, I don't know I love them all
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love them
2: all you know, it's a, I will say the, the balls that that Jared hit in Chicago I, yeah humans don't hit balls there very often. It, I've, I've seen a ton of baseball in Wrigley Field. And, and in many ways, as I shared with Scott after game two of that series, it has been my personal house of horrors in my, <laughs> in my playing days. So I, I don't want to get too hyper, hypocritical in, in casting out you know, how it is hard to pitch at Wrigley Field on days when the, the wind is blowing out. It is hard to hit uh, home runs where Jared hit. And I don't care if you have a wind machine at your back. <laughs> They were hitter-friendly days there at Wrigley, and he made it look like a joke. And, And the ball that he hit off the scoreboard I thought was fantastic. The ball he hit to left center field might have been the most impressive of the three. And then just the raw distance and and majestic nature of the third one was pretty phenomenal. And, and, you know, it made it entertaining to to see what he's doing. He he started to really, you know, I, I guess, settle in as to what he could be. And he's always had crazy raw power. We, we talked about it back when we acquired him from uh, from the Mets in the in the deal in December of 19, um, you know, or 18, I guess. The workout that he had here for us in his draft year where he's just rattling balls off the windows, you know, up at the hit it here cafe. It's it's oppo homers for a high school kid from Wisconsin. Things you just don't see. And then. The scouting opinion was it was more hip than power. And I'm thinking, my God, what is the hit look like? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Israel Power has always been a special gift
1: defensively we've talked to him about uh, the pride that he takes there how much growth I don't know how much you can really how much stock you can put into just a young young man when he came over and what he was like defensively but nevertheless I mean that was a part of the scouting that you did and your crew did to help bring him here I mean what kind of growth are we talking about for him defensively from then until now
2: You know, I I think some of it is more exposure to the corner outfields. Uh, You know, when we first got Jared, he had always played center field. And then when we got him, we always played him in center field. And the the opportunity to shift to the corners has really opened up a new part of his skill set. From 2020, uh, 1920 into 21 and 22, he really evolved his defensive game, even as a center fielder. Uh, what he has done from last year to this year in the corners is, is, I think, take it from a solid, you know, average outfielder to just a plus. I mean, we think he has gold glove potential in the corner outfield spots. And I think in the early part of this season, it's showing, you know, for some reason, there's some noise on, on some of the, the the small sample size metrics in the public sites. We're not getting that noise in ours, and, and what our eyes are telling us is it's it's pretty special
0: and what's interesting there's nuanced differences in each corner defensively but it seems like he plays each equally like he's really good in both corners is that what your eyes and metrics tell you
2: yeah it's amazing how quickly he's reading the balls and i i would say you know we are what now 17 games into our season and i think he's he's had one rough read Mm -hmm. every other read he has made has been awesome to to better than that he's made some you know highlight real type catches already and again, I want to stress the accuracy and and quality of the throws he's making. That's he's always had a cannon, and now in the corners you're able to see it more as yeah. players try to advance on the longer the gap balls. And and it's uh it's it's really been he's hitting every box right now and what he's doing on the baseball field.
1: Still a, a fairly small amount of at bats against lefties. That's by design. We know that, but I mean, he started against a lefty first game of the homestand. Uh, Brad Hand came in against the Rockies that final game, a real veteran lefty, and Kalnick drove in the game's only run. I mean, when you are processing, watching him against lefties, what is it that you're looking for that will allow you to say, like, yes, this is the the train is moving down the track from the right direction in this category?
2: You know, frankly, we started to see that in the spring as well. He he was he got reps against lefties. He handled himself very well. I think it's mostly pitch tracking. So often with young left-handed hitters, really with any left-handed hitter, but it's particularly pronounced with the, the young left-handed hitters, when you get those breaking balls or the fastballs that run in on you, you know, so that the, the left-handed pitcher that can make you move two ways, that that makes you get, you know, that gets you off the plate and then sweeps you away, uh, you know, that can be overwhelming for the young lefty simply because you don't see it a lot as a, as a as an amateur player. There's 16% of society's left-handed. Therefore, you know, if you are, you know, if, if you are in, you're playing Little League in Wisconsin, where, where Jared maybe played Little League you know, for, for all we know, there, there might've been 1.6 lefties for every 10 righties he would face or something along those lines. It's a, you know, it's a funny thing and, and they just don't get as many reps as young players. But right now he's tracking the ball incredibly well. He did hit the the homer here in his, his first at bat back. You know, it's a he did take the good at bat off hand. The one that really jumps out of me in my mind's eye is what a good at bat he put against the young lefty in in Cleveland, Heron, That that was so electric when he came in here. And and Jk. Battled him when he came in to, to to specifically to face J.K. and I thought this is this is fantastic. That's what you want to see: is compete, track pitches, drive them deep, not chase out of the zone. And as, as soon as you see spin, you know the, the lefty because it's coming oftentimes from behind him, you know, and they're just not used to it. They start that swing. We haven't seen him do that. It's again, it's been pretty complete. How how impressive he's been.
1: Go ahead. No, you go ahead, 16 percenter. I know. I'm <laughs> unique and special. <laughs> oh, you're special. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm left handed. I'm special. <laughs> I'm <laughs> unique. Yes. Uh, one of the other obvious standouts so far this season. I mean, Luis Castillo has been utterly ridiculous so far. And I was thinking about what we see from him. It's so funny because when we talk about pitching, if we look at a soft tosser, wow, he really knows how to pitch. You know, that, that label. <laughs> you didn't gets, just say that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Jerry. We despise that phrase. Yeah. The soft tosser. No, no. the, no, the He, knows he how really to knows how to pitch. Because right? that's saying that Andres Munoz doesn't. Yeah. <laughs>
2: There's,
0: the, I beg to differ. Yeah, because <laughs> the thing about Castillo is when you watch him, like his stuff is amazing, but the way he uses it, the way he dots the upper and the lower and never leaves anything over the plate and just his feel for everything, it's just such a joy to watch him pitch. What are you most impressed by? What you've seen from Luis so far this season
2: i mean really how easily he flipped the switch you know i, I mean opening day came and it, it was it, he literally went from the on-ramp to do an 80 in the fast lane <laughs> in a snap and i i i don't know I, I don't know that i've ever seen anything quite as as seamless as he picked up four or five miles an hour on average he just started ripping it off like he's in July of any other year of his career. And I, I think we've known this since we picked him up. He just has special weapons and and he's he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's competitive as all get out. And he goes out there and he turns the page after a pitch quicker than any pitcher I've ever been around. So whether he executes an awesome pitch, which this, right now we're seeing about as awesome as it gets, uh, or he, he, he has a, a clunker, just makes a bad pitch, hangs one, he moves on to the next pitch. And I think that's a gift that the great ones have. You know, They're able to just move to the next. It's guys who have a bad at bat. You carry it with you. You let it start to to really roll. And once it rolls, you can't slow it down. We've not seen that with the Rock. He just moves on to the next pitch. He's there to compete. He can give up the, the – we haven't seen it a lot, but he can give up the multi-run homer and then just stop it and say, all right, we're, we're going to get back on track here. And I think that's what the good ones do.
1: Did you notice what Jerry essentially said? I mean, he – He loosely quoted Cal Raleigh right there. He just said that spring training is for the birds. (laughs) Yes. That's what he said.
0: Which was a direct quote from Cal Raleigh. Yeah, it was fantastic, fantastic,
1: which we really appreciate. Spring
0: training is for the birds.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How much time did you spend with your grandparents growing up, Cal? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he has been remarkable. And this is an unfair question, so I'm not going to really ask the question, but I'm just going to kind of throw the idea out there. And that is when – When his time comes to a close with the Mariners, like when it's all said and done, I'll be really interested as we look back, like revisionist history podcast style, and say like, how much did he change the franchise? Because Julio feels like the obvious chalk choice for that, right? Because of how long he will be here for, his age, his skill set, the whole thing. He plays every day. But when you have that guy that there's only a handful of those guys in the game that can do what he does as consistently as he does them. Like that is, that's a franchise changer.
2: It really is. And we had that feeling, you know, when we went out and got Louis. And yeah, it's we talked about it after acquiring him. You don't get opportunities at that type of guy very often. And and usually when you do, it's later in his career. Uh, unless you draft and develop that player. You know, usually when you do, it, it's later in his career. We got him right in the middle of his prime when we still think the best pitching in, in, in Luis Castillo's career is in front of him. We're seeing it now. And I, and I think what that does to a franchise, and, and this is, I just happen to have this information uh, on the top of my head, mostly because I was looking at it yesterday. Um, since the day we acquired Luis Castillo and he made his first start at Yankee Stadium, uh, we have three of the 10 best pitchers in the American League by F4. Luis Castillo, uh, who, who has been remarkable is i believe tops at 2.7 wins george kirby is third with 2.6 wins and logan gilbert is eighth with 2.1 wins when that comes together and that's what your staff looks like dating back to to last early last august you know that's about a three-month sample where we have had among the most dominant pitching rotations in baseball and and as good as, as Louie's been, we are without Robbie Ray right now. We we lost Marco for a start with the, the birth of, of of his new baby daughter. They're in that world where you've got the former Cy Young who is who was awesome in the spring, whether it's for the birds or not, he was amazing. <laughs> the you know you've got you got Marco who's who's out. You know, Flex has struggled in his in his few starts and we still entered yesterday with the most F war in, in MLB uh, and, and largely due to, you know, the stars carrying us They're they're, they're holding up there at the end of the bargain.
0: I've started a survey. Cause I'm just curious what people say. Uh, Castillo has four elite pitches. I think we all see that. Do you have a favorite of his four? Wow. A,
2: there's, I would tell you when he got here, my favorite was his changeup uh-huh. because I think guys that can make changeups do what he makes it do. Or just, they're they're rare i i I equate it to watching felix you know when when felix was in his prime as soon as he as soon as he got into the 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 counts where you knew the changeup was coming as an opposing you know person yeah a player staff member whatever you just drop your head because you knew it 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 was getting ready to get unfair since we've had him however my my favorite is just the the iterations of his fastball There is especially when he throws his four seamer up on that top rail, it is such an overwhelming pitch. And and we've not even yet seen him get to his top velocities. You know, he he's still operating in a warming up here, you know, range and and that is to say he's touching ninety sevens and pitching at ninety five. It's he has such an overwhelming fastball because of the angles that he creates from a lower slot. And, you know, when you can run a two-seamer in the high 90s at a right-handed hitter and then crisscross him off the top rail at the way he does, it it seems impossible to cover those pitches when you're hitting your spots the way Louie is right now.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because something that stayed constant, we've continued to look this up kind of like month after month since he was acquired. If you go back to the start of last year, no starting pitcher in baseball has a higher whiff rate on their four-seamer than Castillo. And really pre-Mariners but start of last year with Cincinnati it feels like that was when his fastball really started to become like passed by the change of it's like the pitch and specifically the the swing and miss pitch we know he's kind of got the you mentioned the arm angle is it are the swings and misses because of deception and the the general picks pitch mix that guys just can't pick it up as well i
2: think it is and it's the you know add to that the ride that he creates on that pitch there's there's a lot of max scherzer in the way his fastball works you know when when max he's got that lower slot and it really rides on that top rail louis kind of the same way and and when you again when you can change a hitter's look you know give him something that's moving horizontally away from him if you're the left-handed hitter or a chaser. You know it's something that's coming in on you as a righty. And then the next thing you do is elevate at that top rail. It's it, I, if it's a lefty, you're going to get a ton of swing throughs because they just don't pick it up until it's too late. For the righties, you're going to get a ton of swing throughs because the the you know the 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 optics of mm-hmm. trying to pick up a ball that's going to to jump up and away from you as opposed to run in on you. At 97 miles an hour, you just don't have time. You know, you, you run a little short on on clock. <laughs> you, you just have to make a decision and go. And the funny thing is, and this is when we acquired Louis the, the from the the Reds. The thing we were most excited and intrigued by is we thought we could make some adjustment in his slider usage, which we actually have, and that too is an elite pitch. And and all of it, we just spent the last five minutes talking about his fastball and and there's still another one in the bag that's also awesome he's just got great stuff
0: and i guess that's the part that i am so fascinated by is you you reference the movement the wicked movement at that velocity and yet he's got the command too you end up looking at a chart after his outing and there aren't pitches over the plate how do you command (laughs) movement and velocity like that yet he does it's amazing
2: yeah, I, I mean, it, there's aren't very many guys that can do it, and it's a, it's maybe the best part of of the last couple of years for for Luis Castillo is is how his command has evolved. You know that he always had the reputation as big arm, velocity, awesome changeup. Maybe the breaking ball was a distant third pitch, and the fastball didn't have as much impact as you thought it would based on the velocity. And then all of a sudden, he started using different types of fastball. You know, and, and he introduced now here's a four seamer. He's got the two seamer. The changeup was always a dynamic pitch, and and the fastball now went up. I mean, not just one. Level it went up multiple levels in its impact, and somewhere in there, in that 2021 to 22, and and obviously we're seeing it now. Over the last few years, his command he he went to ace level command. So he took this bag of 80s, and and added to it, you know, real top of the rotation type command, and that's that's a powerful thing. He's got a bag of 80s. I like that. <laughs> it's like Santa and his bag of 80s. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs>
1: jerry in our few remaining minutes i would like to play a very quick game of stump jd if you're game i can't wait okay uh, i stumbled on this uh i won't give you the exact time frame i don't want to give anything away uh but i think this is fun can you tell me jerry the first player to ever win the golden spikes award which is given for those who don't know to the top collegiate player the minor league player of the year award the rookie of the year and the mvp in four consecutive seasons. What? Yes, how about that, huh? Oh. I just discovered this. Wow. Yeah. What? That's a bag of 80s right there. That boom, is boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Golden Spikes. Yep. Rook, minor League. Minor League Player yep.
2: of the Year, which has to narrow the class. Rookie of the Year. Which, by the way, who, who,
1: who can name any Minor League? Like, <laughs> I,
2: I can name a shocking number of that Minor <laughs> League Well, players in your position, I can team. understand that. Uh, I'm going to go with... Wow. I'm going to go with Chris Brown. Yes! Oh,
1: Jerry! Yeah. Jerry! That it was wow. well done. Uh, wow. It, walk me through. Let's do a post-game walk-off interview, Jerry. What were you thinking <laughs> right there? There's, walk me through your process. I,
2: there's been the the minor league player of the year is, is something that we generally follow. You know, like the... Obviously, you're going to know about the hardware ones. the 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 Golden Spikes is more niche. Not everybody knows who won the Golden Spikes. It's not necessarily as as uh, prominent publicly as the as the Heisman Trophy. Sure, yes. eighty, 80 <laughs> name know? though. Yeah. Oh, that is a yeah. great name. And, and, yeah. it's, and it's a fine looking trophy. It, it you know it's not iconic. It's not you know nobody's going to do the 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 Golden Spikes pose in the end zone <laughs> after a touchdown. But it is a uh, you know. The, the golden spike's probably lesser known, but when you're doing the, the minor league player of the year, it's amazing how many of those players are, are like, they're double-time winners. They, mm-hmm. they win twice, you know, and it's uh, – I think there have probably been, you know, four or five players that have won it twice, and they only started giving that award out, you know, regularly in the 80s. Okay. So – there, it, it narrowed the class. It's, and, you know, Chris Bryant, because I scouted him as a college player, I watched him it, it come through the system. It was, you know, obviously there was a lot of fanfare around him as he was approaching the big leagues. Uh, and we just <laughs> you saw him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I I, was, I,
1: I honestly, I'm I didn't think that Jerry was going to get that one because I don't think anybody's ever actually asked that question before. And right out of the gate. Please. Yeah, just
2: you see, you, you have to know these. So when you when you go, you know I I'm I'm certain that you know this. I don't know if we've if we've talked about this uh, here in this forum, but uh, during his free agency, we went down and met with with he and his wife in Newport Beach, and and when you go on trips like that. You study about players, and while I wouldn't have been able to say, Chris, did you know
1: that you were? I, there's- we have a Chris. We have a podcast in Seattle.
2: <laughs> you find you find things out, and I thought, oh, that that sounds familiar, Jerry. But,
1: nicely done, man. Yeah, that's really. I mean, you're two for two so far this year. I think you got a last. Yeah. time. yeah, it was. It was yeah, yes. I counted. I counted, uh, Jerry. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for bundling up, coming to the radio booth uh, to the Arctic, and uh, we look forward to the next time, man. Thank you so much. I will. It's always special with Gary. It is. <laughs>
0: Yes. (laughs)